guys, it's me, Corrine, here with another episode of The Mama Struggle. Today, I'll be interviewing a former colleague, special ed teacher, and yoga instructor, Caitlin. In our interview today, we'll be talking about balancing relationship, what it means to center during pregnancy. We'll be discussing how Caitlin supports other mothers through yoga. This interview was originally recorded during the year 2020 when everything fell apart in the world and so you'll notice that we referenced the pandemic and we referenced staying at home this is a throwback interview that i'll be i kind of dug out of the archives and i'm putting up with the hope that it is still providing benefit to this day i know that when i took a listen to it it definitely provided me with some wisdom and knowledge about navigating relationships all while having kids so just like I got something out of it I really hope that you get something out of it as well and as always thanks for tuning into the mama struggle talk to you soon bye I just want to go back to kind of the beginning of your motherhood journey and can you uh, can you tell about the first time whether you either suspected you were pregnant or when you found out you're pregnant what was that like yeah so um gosh I guess it was like almost four years ago at this point um (laughs) which is crazy to think about like time doesn't make sense once like you start this journey (laughs) but yeah I we were not really planning to start a family then you know we know we knew that we wanted to have kids but um just kind of uh one of those like it was my birthday and I was like hmm I don't know if we made the safest decisions that are aligned with um not trying to have a child right now and then sure enough a couple weeks later I would you know took a test I like had a pretty good feeling I'm I'm pretty like in sync with my cycle and everything so I found out very quickly that I was pregnant which definitely took like a bit of a mindset shift but as far as timing but at the end of the day we were you know we're really excited um so yeah probably I probably like found out I was pregnant I mean like as soon as you could find out okay four, <laughs> four or five weeks wow okay that is really yeah. early <laughs> okay so then what was your first pregnancy like um Yeah, it was pretty typical um, as far as, you know, first trimester was just like food aversions, tired all the time, but um, never, I think maybe I got actually like sick one time. Um, Like my thing is just like the, the nausea is never ending, but then there's like, you almost wish you could get sick because like maybe a little like, (laughs) you know. Um, even though I know that's not the case for people that are actually getting sick, it's still sucks. Uh-huh. Yeah. But um, yeah, so, but, you know, typical for me, you know, once I hit second trimester, you know, feeling good and um, overall, like, not, nothing really exciting. I had a pretty boring pregnancy. Okay. Okay. That's good. We yeah. like boring. Boring is good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then what was your birth story um, like and... Yeah, let us let us hear about that. Like, well, tell us yeah. your backstory. Yeah. So, um, when you know, as I was preparing for childbirth, you know, I know I knew that I wanted to try to have an unmedicated birth. That was important to me, um, but also was very like flexible and understanding that like birth happens, however it's going to happen, and like mm-hmm. trying to you know be prepared for for that, but went into it with the mindset of wanting to, um, wanting to have an unmedicated birth. I was in with my care providers where it was just a team of like a practice with a bunch of OBs, um, at a hospital, at a local hospital in Baltimore. Um, and yeah, I had a doula who's a mutual friend of ours, um, who was one of my, you know, best friends. So that was really exciting to like have that support throughout pregnancy and um yeah so I trying to think yeah like my due date came and went everything was kind of looking fine I didn't really want to be induced um 
just like if I could avoid it unless it was, you know, necessary. Um, mm -hmm. And I went in for like my 41 week appointment. And <gasps> wow. <laughs> Okay. They were like, well, your blood pressure is getting a little high. Like, we should probably schedule an induction. Like, your baby's cooked. And I was like, okay, like, maybe I, my blood pressure is getting a little hot. Not dangerously high, but, you know, like, slowly <laughs> creeping up. I was like, well, sure. maybe my body's getting ready for labor. Like, can we schedule it for a Monday? This was a Friday. Um, so I think I was, like, exactly 41 or maybe right before 41 weeks. Okay. And then um, – so I was like, just like crossing my fingers that like, okay, this weekend, like this baby's going to come. And sure enough, I was supposed to be induced like Monday morning. And I went into labor like one o'clock Monday morning, oh, wow. um, <laughs> you know, woke up, you know, went to bed early. So I was like, all right, I got to get to the hospital in the morning. Like I got to be rested and then woke up a couple hours later and I was like, all right, this is happening. So that was exciting for just to get things moving and, um, mm -hmm long labor, almost 24 hours of labor, wow. but, okay. um, you know, just thinking as I'm preparing for, you know, this next birth, just like, you know, I've been starting to think about like that experience and it was just very, um, you know, I ended up not having like pain medication, which was in my plan. And so I felt like it was very inward the whole time. Like I, and Phil, my partner can attest to this, like my eyes were probably closed for like 10 hours straight, like was not talking to anyone mm -hmm. unless I was cursing and like, yeah. <laughs> and like get this baby out of me. But like, for the most part, just really inward and like kind of like the wildest tr like trip of uh -huh. my life. Um, yeah, so, you know, again, like pretty normal labor, quote unquote, normal labor. Um, and yeah, Bowie was born at 11.50 PM. So almost 24 hours after, you know, I kind of woke up with some contractions. Uh -huh. And um, so all it, I just felt really empowered after yeah. that birth. Like I felt so strong, but very quickly, um, you know, Bowie ended up being sent to the NICU um, for, which was very, I mean, I feel like that is always unexpected unless, you know, you're going into labor like super early and mm -hmm. that was just not on my radar at all of like being in the realm of possibility, but he was just having trouble kind of like, um, like taking full breaths. Like it was never a, like in a, for, in my perspective. And again, like labor land is like a crazy adrenaline filled. Like, sure time um so it's like I, I don't know how emergent it was like he was breathing but just kind of like couldn't really clear his lungs it almost sounded like he like you know like got fluid stuck in his lungs okay. I guess okay mm -hmm. um so after that like super empowering birth like on a birth high and then they were like all right well like 15 minutes later they were like yeah we're gonna take your baby <laughs> which was like God really really hard and obviously it's hard for anyone um mm -hmm. but just like to not like expect that um mm -hmm. what is you know because i was like i'm overdue you know like there was no just no concerns about like i don't know the health of my baby mm -hmm. um so a pretty like high birth high like then was just like okay there's no one in the room anymore like it's the middle of the night and like mm -hmm. everyone's gone and I guess I'll sleep, you know, it's just one of those crazy things to look back on. And when I prepare for this next birth, like just, I'm so excited to have that golden hour, if you will, that time, you know, just with my baby, because I didn't get that. And he was in the NICU for like four or five days before. Okay. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But after that, you know, like things, he came, like he kind of, made progress pretty quickly came home and then like then the real fun began <laughs> yeah <laughs> party time okay. um okay so can you talk to us talk to me a little bit about your um your doula experience and what yeah. was that like because we um janine was your doula right yeah yeah okay. yeah okay cool so like what was what was why did you opt to have a doula and what was that experience like having one yeah so 
I had always, like, even before I had gotten pregnant, like, I was kind of, I don't want to say I was, like, a full-fledged birth nerd, but, like, I definitely, like, was, like, I knew a lot about birth. I knew kind of, you know, what is, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I feel like I knew a lot about birth, and the more I work with parents um, in like my, my role um, that I have currently as a prenatal yoga teacher, I realized that like I definitely had more knowledge about like birth and the birth world than like I guess a typical person, uh, mm -hmm. if you will. Um, so I knew what a doula was. I knew because I wanted to, you know, ha try to have an unmedicated birth. Um, that That was something that I was was looking to have as support, um, someone I was looking to have as support on my birth team, um, especially being in a hospital and like just knowing, you know, you don't always have like that con that constant support in the room. Um, you know, nurses are amazing, but um, you know, they work for the hospital, they don't work for you. Um, and so I loved how, I mean, besides the fact that, like, I didn't have to interview a doula, like, my, you know, like I said, one of my best friends is one, and she was more than happy to, you know, support me through that, and um, I definitely, like, I mean, and you can talk to, you know, my partner as well, like, Phil, he wouldn't have made it through labor without having the support of the doula, you know, yeah. she's not just a doula is not just there for the birthing person, but like there for the family and like Certainly. to, um, you know, to help the, the partner, if you have one with you, you know, to be, you know, a part of the birth because, you know, he'll didn't know what, what to do or how, yeah. you know, the, or ways to support me in a way that was going to be helpful. So sure, sure. I, if it's available and you are able to, like, I would always recommend having a doula, um, you know, I know some hospitals mm -hmm. like have them on staff, which is wonderful, you yeah. know, in certain places. Um, but it's definitely, it should be just a standard part of your team. Agreed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so then what was your postpartum like? Yeah, I, when I look back on postpartum, I like look back on it very positively, but I know that like, i I mean, there's a lot of tears and long nights and, you know, I feel like this far removed from, and not that I'm not far removed, but I'm three years, um, at least removed from like those early newborn days. It's hard to remember, you know, I, and I think that's, that's like on purpose, like our biology like, <laughs> makes us not remember like really awful times and sleep deprivation. Um, but like, as far as like my healing, I felt, I, I felt that I, as far as physically felt very good. Um, I definitely don't think I rested as much as I should have, but I think part of that um, was, you know, I was discharged from the hospital and my baby was still at the hospital. So like, I don't really have time to sit, uh, you know, in that first week, which is kind of like sets the stage for like, I feel like what happens in your, you know, in your home, like we weren't at the house, like we were driving to the hospital. I was hooked up to a breast pump. Like I was like doing all these things, which in hindsight, like definitely set the stage for being more active than I think I would have originally wanted to, mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Like, and, but overall, like I, I physically, I felt okay. Um, this time around with, you know, second kid, like, and especially being pregnant during a pandemic and having already set a lot of boundaries already with like our space and our time, like, I think it's going to be a lot easier this time around to be like, yeah, I'm just going to rest. And yeah. mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing. And if you want to come meet the baby, like you can come sit on my porch for, you know, half hour and then like, you're going to go. And then that's that. like, we're not going anywhere. And yeah, good. Uh, but yeah. And I think also like with my first, like I, the, I had Bowie right before Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. So like, 
in some ways it was good to like kind of get some of those like family visits out of the way like all right we're gonna show up to thanksgiving with this 10 day old baby and like everyone see okay now we're gonna go and like kind of like kind of cut down on some of the like people coming to us right um but it also it's a lot holidays are a lot without a newborn and then you know backed right up with um you know christmas and it's just like I'm, I'm excited for a little bit of a change this time around. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Setting those boundaries is so hard to do. I feel like that was one of the hardest things that I had to navigate, like, as a first-time mom, because I was just mm-hmm. like, well, I can't tell people, like, hey, like, you can't come see your grandson, you know? Exactly. Like, and I just, like, felt so bad, but this time. Yeah, I also think, too, being a first-time parent, like, it's hard to know what you want your boundaries to be like until they've already been crossed. And then you're like, Oh, I don't really like this precedent that I've started. And I think that's definitely the advantage of, you know, when, if you do have subsequent children, you know, you kind of know like, okay, this is what I need. And like, kind of like stepping into your power a little bit more. I know motherhood has made me much more like, I've never been a not confident person or outspoken person, uh-huh. but like more like okay with stating my boundaries and like yeah. not really worrying about like what someone else might perceive. Cause like right. at the end of the day, like what's happening in my house is like what I can control and I will do everything I can to do that. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Advice for new moms, like <laughs> set the boundaries. Yeah. And early, early and consistent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When people say to rest, like they mean rest. And that yeah. doesn't mean allowing like a constant stream of visitors come to visit you. That's not, right. that's not good for anyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk to you, you about kind of your transition to back to work, like after your mm-hmm. maternity leave. So that first day back to work. I know everybody says like this, this horrible, it's like this horrible experience. So can you, can you tell us about um, what that was like for you? Yeah. It's just wild. I mean, living in the U S and having like not enough time at all to be home. It's like, it's like, you know, your, your maternity leave, if you get maternity leave, right, right. Um, which, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to get 12 weeks, even though uh, it was my sick time. So like, it wasn't me getting any leave. I just had to right. use sick time to do that. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I was lucky to stay home for three months, but that's like, I was just started, I was just finished healing and not even finished healing. Cause you're not yeah. really ever finished healing, like, you know, deep healing until sure. like, I feel like it's still like an ongoing thing. Like I was still going to pelvic floor PT after I was done breastfeeding after a year postpartum. Wow. So like, you know, like three months is just like a drop in the bucket of like the time that you need mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. bond. So I feel like it just didn't even make sense. stepping back to work you know I'm a teacher so stepping back to work for the first day it's just like what why am I here like Mm -hmm. I should have like this extra appendage with me and you know having to still you know I was breastfeeding so strapping up to a pump like I mean at that point probably three times a day you know throughout the work day Mm -hmm. and um it was rough but for me, it, I, when I think back to it, I also remember just how quickly, unfortunately, how quickly you get used to the balancing act. Yeah. Um, and again, that was my experience of just like, you know, within like a week or two, it's like, all right, this is what we do. I feel like I'm just kind of like a chicken with my head cut off, but like, uh, this is I'm life right not, now. Yeah. Like I'm not sleeping, but I still have to wake up and be present for, to teach these children and then come home and be present and, um, you know, still have time with my partner and, you know, still take care of myself. And it's a lot. And it's, yeah. I feel like I'm almost like, and with the pan, throw a pandemic in the mix like that, I feel like <laughs> shifted everyone's world, but like, 
I feel like even right before the pandemic, like it's just still a constantly changing, like how do you balance it all? Yeah. If you are a working parent with young kids, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's like every, every, every month is changing and what, yeah. like what priorities look like and like how, how to make it work. Right. Yeah. Cause they change so quickly. So you're right, exactly. navigating like the baby's different milestones and the different like phases that they go through. And mm -hmm. then like you're changing and you know, like your hormones, they're leveling. And then like, mm -hmm. you know, you're going through all this stuff, stuff physically. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, even, even for stay at home moms, it's a lot like, um, absolutely. Yeah. I can only speak to like the working parent experience, but uh -huh. like, yeah, I mean, to, I feel for, you know, I know a lot of people who have had babies, whether they're first or second children, either right at the start of the pandemic or right before the pandemic, and then kind of have never had, who are typically working out of the household, who just haven't had a break. And yeah. like, you know, and, uh, you know, that's like what being at home, like stay, stay at home parents have to deal with all the time. Like, I, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to not have that break because we all need time to ourselves. And it shouldn't yeah. just be once the baby goes to sleep at 8 p.m. or whatever time right. that is. Right, right. Yeah. Or whatever, like, time you can steal while the baby's napping to go, like, right. get a shower or, like, right. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Not a way yeah. to live. Yeah. <laughs> not the way I want to live, but, yeah. 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 No, I agree. Um, it's hard. <laughs> um, so, So how would you describe then your transition to the role of, of mother? Did it, do you find that it came naturally? Was it a little bumpy or was it like a hot mess? Cause mine was a hot mess. So <laughs> like, how would yeah. you describe it? I feel like it ebbs and flows. I feel like, you know, a, like in the beginning, like I, and again, I, when I look back, it's very like rosy and positive, um, you know, being three years removed from, from that time, like I felt like it was a pretty smooth transition. Um, I feel like with every stage, you know, now having a three-year-old who like can, is his own person and his own, like, I feel like that has been the bigger test of my like patience and strength and mm -hmm. like ability to like be my best self <laughs> um, yeah, yeah you know trying to show up as the best you know my best self is hard when like you have someone who like can't regulate their emotions and like you're mm -hmm. trying to help them navigate that um so yeah and I feel like yeah it's definitely been like a roller coaster for yeah. me I, I feel like I never I haven't had a moment where I've been feeling like I've been at rock bottom. And I think a lot of that is due to like the support I have. I am very lucky to have support from family close by and, um, you know, friends. And like, I definitely am lucky that I can lean on, um, a, you know, a big like net of people. Sure. Um, but yeah, I feel it, like we've kind of said, like with every stage, like, having to shift and like pivot and like changes in like relationship with my partner and, mm -hmm. and like in good and bad ways and like being I think the best part of motherhood has been and parenthood in general is like being such a you it forces you to be a better communicator um and what and that sometimes can be really hard um but like I mean, it forces you to, or if you're not a good communicator, it, things are going to be really hard for you. Um, if you are, if you are parenting with, with another person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for me, like the, the transition, like I've, I know I've always wanted to be a parent. And so like the transition has overall, when I, when I reflect has been positive and, um, even like the growth that I've had to, to, go through as a, my own person has been really positive overall, even though it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. I, I understand completely. Like being, it's like, on, like being honest with myself about like my not so great characteristics and like, and trying to be my best self. And I don't think that like, 
I would be forced to reckon with some of like the not great qualities of myself if like I didn't have a human that like I was in charge of and like uh-huh. I take that job very seriously, you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to pass on, I don't want to model certain behaviors or pass on certain things or, you know, mm-hmm. keep certain cycles going. Um, and I think it takes a lot of reflection to be able to do that. Sure. <laughs> sure. Definitely. Cause they, they see everything. They pick up on everything, everything. Oh yes. <laughs> um, so how are you managing your self care during this time? I feel like self care has been like actually really great for me <laughs> being home and like not having just a commute to work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I'm still, you know, lucky enough to be working in my house um as a virtual teacher um not like just not having commuting time has I feel like allowed me to like just like open up like I don't know just and also just being at home and focusing in on like making my home like the best place it can be um Mm -hmm. I was just talking to my partner the other night and we were like, I feel like our home is just so much more cozy these days. And I think that is, it's totally because like, A, we're forced to be here. So like, whether it's like, we have to pretend it is like, Uh (laughs) but I think we've just been so focused on making sure that like, it is a place that we want to be. And so, you know, coming up, you know, right now, I know it's like a mess behind me, but like I'm in um, our spare bedroom that had always just been kind of like a dumping ground for like, things Mm -hmm. like, just like if we don't know what to do with it like throw it in the spare bedroom and during the pandemic um you know I started teaching from home and I also started teaching yoga from home um I was teaching in person so I needed kind of like a dedicated space and so it was like a really great time to just purge a bunch of stuff and like have my own space so I can and like having the space to do yoga and like, which is my form of one of my like big parts of my Mm self-care means that I'm doing it more like, and like prioritizing that, like (laughs) the Spotify, like your 2020, like, um, uh, like stats for Spotify, like like, what you've been listening to. And literally all of my top songs were like meditations (laughs) and like the things on my yoga playlist. And I was like, well, I mean, (laughs) I wasn't, I mean, I'm not surprised by it, but I'm also like, that kind of just shows like what I've been doing this year, which is just a lot of taking baths and doing yoga and meditating and prioritize like making that a priority and like mm-hmm. having alone time yeah yeah is a really part of a really big part of my self-care um sure. which it's easy when you you know if you are living with someone like when we're home all the time like it it's easy to like get down each other's throats and like I'm we're very lucky that we do have our own spaces in the house and our own hobbies and things because like I really value that time like and I need it I need it (laughs) yeah that's I think that well the pandemic is horrible and it's a tragedy but like I think that the biggest that's one of the biggest takeaways for everybody that I've talked to this year is that they've just been it's allowed them to just be more introspective because they just like don't have a choice like everybody's home and it's either that or like drive yourself like crazy Mm -hmm. so you know like you're there's yeah like people are you know doing more meditation and like praying and and just like you know like doing incense and you know what exercising and just like whatever it is that they need to kind of like take care of themselves like this this has been a crazy year and even even without the pandemic like thinking about just I mean I don't want to get political or anything but like with our administration everything that happened with that yeah yeah so it's just been a mess of a year and so I think that everybody's just like all right like I need to I need to figure something out because I don't want to like drive myself crazy in in this house and these four walls yeah so, yeah I get and, it yeah like when I 
thinking back to like the beginning of the pandemic and again like I feel like I am so lucky that I have been able to be home this whole time like I know that is not the case for a lot of people um and you know thinking back to the first I guess month I don't even know time doesn't even exist like anymore (laughs) like because like March 2020 seems like it was (laughs) but like you know the drinking like a box of wine on the couch every night with the and just like doing whatever I want like that isn't sustainable like and like for you know like very quickly we we realized like okay like well not very quickly but you know like (laughs) after like doing that for a couple weeks and then being like all right like it's not vacation time like we need to like you know have some some kind of structure um, in the house you know because it's very easy to to fall into like not great habits or not habits that I want to keep sustaining so yeah I feel like the like you said like the pandemic has thrown a wrench in a lot of things but I one of the biggest blessings that like I can take away is just like I can't ever imagine not having this much time at my home again yeah Um, and like knowing that like eventually like I will be back at work and you know my partner he normally travels a lot he hasn't had to travel since March and he his company I think said at least till April won't be traveling like was so that was a huge shift for him um as he every like other week he would have a little break from home and like get his time in the hotel room and um recognizing that like that is needed for him as well to like have his time like to be like peace out home like I need to have my own time Mm um so like but yeah, like, so that big shift of just like always being home, like realizing how special that is and like how much we weren't home before. Like we were always on the go and like, uh, you know, by the time we get home from work and picking up, you know, Bowie from childcare, it was like, it's dark and we eat dinner and we go to bed. Like, I don't want to, (laughs) I, I don't want to go back to that. And I think that a lot of people have realized like, how important it is to like, like we said, like set boundaries so that like you are able to sustain some, some of that going forward when like we're, we won't be at home all the time and it's safe and it's safe to be out. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. So how do you use yoga to support mothers just in their motherhood journey? Yeah. Um, so I teach prenatal yoga, um, been virtual, since March, but before that I was teaching in the studio. Um, and I, I have always practiced yoga. Um, and I feel like my personal yoga practice definitely, um, I mean, it's ever evolving, but like it expanded a lot when I was pregnant. And that was something Mm -hmm. that I like did a lot of personally, like not really in, like not in a studio, but just kind of like my own personal practice. Um, And so I ended up getting my, I went through the prenatal teacher training, yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess uh, like two years postpartum. So like it was like early 2019. Cause you know, I just wanted to share, I felt like I was ready to like, A, do something that was kind of like out of my comfort zone, um, like do something new and also support, you know, expecting parents in, in a way that like supported me so much, um, when I was pregnant Okay. and, um, you know, part of like yoga is very, like we were talking about before, it's very introspective and like very, um, you know, you can get a lot of different things out of it, but a a lot of what we talk about is just like building the strength. Uh, You need strength for birthing, labor and birthing and carrying a child, but you also need strength for parenting, you know, um, beyond (laughs) like being pregnant and, um, you know, when you think about like the fourth trimester and like, you know, supporting parents after birth you know that's we definitely as a society like don't do that um you know once the baby's here like the focus shifts quite a bit to to baby and 
Um, so kind of having that practice and like in those habits and of finding your own strength, I think is so important and like just mm -hmm. important for parenting in general. Okay. Um, so yeah, I feel like the, my practices that I, that I lead people through are like a good combination of like strength building, but then also the, the relaxing and like the introspection and time for reflection, connecting mm -hmm. with baby, that can be really hard. Um, yeah. I know for me in particular, like with a second child, like your focus isn't just on being pregnant all the time. You have other things like going on. Like sometimes, I mean, now I can't really forget I'm pregnant because I like have a belly, but like, <laughs> you know, in the first like half of my pregnancy, before you're feeling baby move around, I was like, oh, like I forgot that I'm pregnant. You know, I have another kid I'm focused on and like mm -hmm. life is not revolved around this like exciting new chapter. Um, so yeah, like connecting, taking the time to connect to your own body yeah. and to baby is, you know, part of self-care. I think it's so important, whether it's through yoga, whether it's mm -hmm. through just meditation, whether it's through running or whatever kind of like, you know, time you have to connect with your body and like get into like a state of flow. And that sure. looks different for me. Yoga is the way that I do that. But um, I think it's so important. To, to be able to connect to yourself and sit with yourself. Mm -hmm. We don't do that often. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I think that this, this time around, I'm way more connected to my body and like, just like what's going on with it. The first time I, my body was just like, what? Like, I don't know what this is. Like, get this right. out of me. Um, but this time around, like, you know, I definitely feel more centered. Um, I think also because the first time around I had so many like complications with like fibroids and stuff. And like, there were so many like potential red flags and they were just like, oh, well this might happen. And, and like, you know, you have a high risk for this thing that, yeah. you know, and so as a result of that, I think I kind of purposefully like disconnected myself from the fact that I was pregnant. Yeah. Or, just so that like, if something were to happen and like I lost the baby, like I, I could be like removed, I guess, emotionally from it or detached from yeah. it enough to be able to like get through it. And I think that, yeah. Yeah. So this time around, I'm definitely way more like centered and like connected, I think to, with my body and like, with like the fact that I have like a little baby swimming around in there. So yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I totally. And if you're having, you know, with your first pregnancy, like with all of the, the scariness and like unknowns and anxieties around that, mm -hmm. like it can be, it's easy to be disconnected, not even just like emotionally, but just like when it becomes so medicalized, mm -hmm. um, you know, and like that is like, you know, where your, your mind is and mm -hmm. it, it can be hard to feel like, the I don't want to sound cheesy but like the miracle of what is happening sure because you know? sure. it is just like a beautiful crazy experience that like you know we're so lucky to to have um but it can be really easy to not connect if you don't take the time to do that I know I'm, I'm in a um in a birthing class um, right now. And like, I'm the only like second time mom. Um, you know, obviously most of the time it's first time moms in a birthing class. Mm -hmm. And we did like a self-care inventory and like, I rated myself pretty highly. Cause I was like, I know this time around what I need. And I feel, mm -hmm. and I felt good about the things I was doing. I was like, I didn't focus at all on my nutrition. Like I, I didn't know anything really like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just much more intentional this time mm -hmm. around, but I think it's also come from experience of like, okay, I know what I need to do and I have to be intentional and purposeful because like, if I'm not, then it's easy to not do because I have this other kid that's like running yeah. around and like, so I, you know, you have to like really like be intentional and it doesn't just come naturally. Right. No, definitely. Yeah. I also think, you know, for me, this time around, like switching from OB care to midwifery care mm -hmm. has been a huge shift in my just feeling like connected and just like my, um, 
just like being prepared in general. Um, can, you, can you talk, speak to that a little more, like the difference yeah. between having an OB and a midwife and like what that looks like for you? And yeah, I mean, and I can only speak for myself. Like I, I'm a low, I've been a low risk. I've had low risk pregnancies, like pretty typical. Um, but I had always, you know, for before I was pregnant, gone to an OB. And when I got pregnant for the first time around, like just stuck with my OB, didn't really think anything of it and like the care was fine i don't have any complaints about it um but looking back now now that i can compare the two um because this pregnancy i've been with a midwife i'm planning to um birth at home um so so i'm just meeting with one midwife versus like a rotating like a you know team of i don't even know how many ob's were in the practice i was at like okay that itself having one provider versus a team and there's positives and negatives you know to to both but mm-hmm. feeling so connected already to my provider who i'm only seeing once a month still okay. you know at this point in my pregnancy um being able to connect more my appointments are an hour long with the midway versus when I was with the OB it was kind of like all right come in pee in a cup we'll take your vitals do a quick check all right see ya and like Uh, (laughs) you don't don't talk about anything and like with like I think the last thing that we do in my appointments with my midwife are doing the vitals checking for baby like checking heartbeat you know doing all that stuff and the majority of our appointments are focused on let's talk about what you've been eating. Let's talk about what you're doing for yourself. Let's, it's just so much more holistic. And um, I, yeah, I, again, like I wasn't unsat or I wasn't unhappy with my care the first time around, but now that I know what could be and what is with a midwife, I, I can't imagine, you know, going through this pregnancy any other way. Um, it's been really beautiful. Like just the amount of care and attention and like how much I feel like my provider knows me as well. Like she knows what I'm eating for breakfast and she has recommendations for, for, for everything. And it's so specific to me versus feeling like I'm just coming in and like, they're putting numbers on a chart and like, they don't know what I do day to day and, or how much, you know, and yeah, I know feeling like a number like you're one yeah, of many yeah. different rotating patients rather than yeah. an individual and, and that's part of just like you know birth being medicalized and like you know I think that it's amazing that we have the technology and the medicine that you know we do have for you know but if if you have a pretty typical you know run-of-the-mill pregnancy a boring pregnancy like it doesn't have to look that way and that's what I'm, I'm finding has been really nice this time around okay okay that's awesome thank you yeah. for that. um so knowing what we know about the black maternal health and black maternal and infant mortality crisis in the U.S. Mm-hmm. um how does this knowledge inform how you lead mothers in in their yoga practice yeah um that is so I will say, I don't see as many Black mothers in my yoga classes as I would like. I feel like the space that I'm teaching, and virtual yoga teaching has been hard. Um, attendance in general has been down, um, whether it's because people are just like, I can't do that right now because I'm tired of being like on a screen. Or, you know, what, whatever that is, I feel like in the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of the, the moms that were coming in person continued virtually, but now they've all since had their babies and like, I haven't really gotten like a new crop of, con- excuse me, consistent people. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly, I feel like the space that I am in hasn't had a super diverse population of moms. Most of the moms look like me. Um, when, when we do, I think a big part of, in general, thinking about supporting moms, you know, a big part of my yoga classes is we always start with a check-in. Um, 
before we get any movement happening, um, talking about, you know, like introducing yourself, how far along you are, and then like kind of the floor is yours as far as what's going on physically, emotionally. And like, it can end up being like, you know, a five minute share. It can end up being a 25 minute share of just like having the space to talk about, um, what's going on emotionally, what's coming up in a pregnancy, what I've had a lot of times in classes where people have talked about wanting to switch providers and then like having that community of, of people to, to share and talk mm -hmm. to um, about that. Um, and I think that, that that way of approaching prenatal yoga like lead, like guiding those classes is important to have that time. It's not just a, okay, let's everyone roll out your mat and get started. I think the, the community building piece and the, and the, the time to connect with other people, mm -hmm. um, is the, you know, is part of supporting moms, um, through their pregnancy journey. Awesome. Um, so then what advice or what do you think that yoga practitioners, teachers, and like businesses could do to, I guess, offer yoga as a tool to black mothers, you know, as like something to put in their tool bag to, you know, like combat or like just do self-care in general? Yeah. Like what, like how, how do you start that conversation? Or like, what does that look like? Yeah, I think like, I, I think that offering, um, offering like yoga can be, if you haven't practiced before, like, uh, you know, some people are like have strong opinions, like I don't do yoga or I'm not flexible or whatever that can be. And I think, um, I think approaching yoga and like, I guess marketing, if you will, I, that is not my side of things. I will be like very transparent. I'm not like a social media queen of like, as far as business and like getting people in the door, mm -hmm. but making yoga approachable and like offering like bite-sized, like bite-sized portions of like, th this might be a lot for you to commit to an hour and a half class, but like, being able to say like these three postures are like really important for you to get in every day to, you know, take the 10 minutes to, you know, start here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think right now I'm actually the class that I'm teaching is, um, is a free class. It's kind of like a, like come and check us out and see if you like it. Um, and I, I'm excited that just started like two weeks ago and I'm excited to awesome. see, what I, I think that definitely breaks down barriers for a lot. I've seen a lot of people start to sign up. Um, a lot of people sign up and then maybe don't show up, but um, starting to get more people in the door, I think is really important um, in general um, to get more people to, to see if it's something for them and, mm -hmm. you know, get, get a, a taste of yoga and see how it can help with their pregnancy and support them um, before they make like a big commitment to, you know, signing up for like six weeks of yoga or, sure. um, something like that. This summer, summer 2020, it's like mm -hmm. the whole world like blew up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but in particular, like there was this like huge, like Black Lives Matter renaissance. And so mm -hmm. I just want to ask like how watching it all, how did that impact you? And the way that you think about your role as an educator and a mother. Yeah. Um, so I feel like my experience like this summer definitely has pushed me to be more outspoken. Um, I've, I have been, you know, as an educator in Baltimore City, um, I feel like a lot of the work that I've done around like education um in particular my current in my principal at the time last year like our entire professional development last year was centered around equity and what that looks like um in in the context of our our school and educating our students and so i feel like that 
for me, that work personally has been like very ongoing um, since I've been an educator. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I definitely didn't didn't share, didn't necessarily like bring those things that I've been learning and like doing with my colleagues um, as far as like learning, it, like wasn't really sharing with more than like my partner and like really like having those kind of conversations and the, you know, the racial reckoning that happened um, and it continues to happen, like has really pushed me to like make those conversations happen in like all spaces in my life. Um, with family, with friends, with, you know, in, in circles that, and, you know, obviously a pandemic, I'm not like around people all the time, but like trying to use whatever platform I can to, to have, to address and have those conversations. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I have had a lot of people, you know, one of my big things, at least in my like personal household, like being a, as a mother, you know, I'm really big on making sure that like I'm exposing my child to, and he's three, so we're not having like the super deep sure. conversations <laughs> yet. Um, but like just being intentional about the books that we put on our shelves and the, the conversations that, I mean, three-year-olds are still very intuitive and very smart. And like, they understand that like people look different than, you know, people don't all look like me and they recognize that at a very young age. And so being intentional about putting books on our shelves that tell stories that aren't, that aren't ours mm -hmm. um, is super important to me. And I, I think that, um, well, I don't think, I know that like, I've had so many friends come to me to be like, you know, give me suggestions for books. And I think that that has been a way that I've really been able to support other parents who a lot of them look like me, who are white and don't, you know, are looking for what they can do. And I think that that's been a space that I've been leaning into a little bit more than I was previously. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really interesting because I, I was having a conversation with another one of my friends and she's she was saying something very similar and that as a she she's white and so as like as a white parent like she's had to now like push herself to kind of like call other white people on the carpet mm -hmm. and just like not in a she said like not in a, like a nasty way or a mean way but just like in a way that like forces them to just like think critically about like what role that they play in all of this and and or like just like taking this what it looks like to take the steps to just like acknowledge that like okay like we we have a serious problem in our country and it permeates like everything and like you know, we, we have a responsibility to like mm -hmm. kind of sit down and think about and talk about like what, what can be done and it's not pretty and it's not fun. And like, yeah. you know, she, she just like, it was just an interesting way that she put it. Cause she said it, it was just like, she's having these conversations. Like she's been used to having, like you said, the conversations like in her workplace or like in with like people who are, who she's used to talking about it with, but just like never before having these conversations, like with family or like, you know, like neighborhood people in her neighborhood, you know, and it's yeah. just, it's just like a totally different experience. Yeah. I think my like go-to phrase, and, and I've always been pretty outspoken and like calling out things, but I guess maybe not at like, this has kind of pushed me to like kind of double down on that a little bit more but like my go-to is like well what do you mean by that is <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> my phrase that I go to when I'm always in not always but like if I find myself in a questionable conversation or a conversation that like is not you know like something that I'm going to entertain or like ignore or just be like okay like I'm gonna like leave that one to the side like instead of leaving it to the side being like well what tell me what you mean or explain what you mean and that usually can can kind of start a conversation um, and also feel like I've gotten a little bit more mature where when I used to try to call people out, it just was me being like yelling and angry. And I feel like now I have more, <laughs> I, and I still am constantly working on that, but I feel like as I've gotten older, I, 
I feel like I have a little bit more success in those conversations because I can approach them in a little bit better um, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, there's obviously a ton of work and I think that um, after the summer ended, I think a lot of people have, you know, um, stopped the hashtag, you know, whatever you want to say, you know, like things um, are kind of dying down, if you will. And like, now's not the time for that. Um, you know, it's because sure. it, it's our job. And when I say our, I mean, mostly white people um, to undo and do the, the heavy lifting here. Um, and yeah, as far as like being a mom in that role, I, I mean, I think like that's, if I can control anything, it's, it is making sure that I am trying to break those cycles and calling those cycles out and making sure that my children are like as reflective and responsible as they can be giving them the tools that like my parents didn't have and their parents didn't have before them mm -hmm. to, you know, to make real change and mm -hmm. to like break, break the, the systems of oppression that have been ha ha happening for ever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so what was the most surprising thing that you discovered about yourself when you became a mother? Um, surprising. I think, I think maybe I kind of tap, like, tapped into this a little bit earlier, but just like being more confident. And I, I feel like I've always um, seen myself as a pretty confident person. And I just leaning into that so much more as a mom has really, I, I've just been surprised at how, how much I still had to grow mm -hmm. <laughs> and how much I continue to grow. Um, and I think that could just be like, getting older in general, um, but just like realizing that like it's, it's bigger than me now, you yeah. know? And like, it's so important to, like we were talking about, like hold those boundaries and like be firm in like what is true and what is right for my family. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of confidence and um, a lot of reflection and for me, that's been really empowering. Like being a mom has been really empowering. I didn't think that becoming a mom would like change me so much as like a human yeah. uh, in like really awesome, great ways. And again, becoming a better communicate. Like I feel like one thing that has surprised me is just how I've been with my partner for, I don't even know how long, like so many years forever, it seems like. And you know, when you're with someone for a long time, you know, you, you go through chapters and phases of your relationship and like, in order to continue to choose one another, like you have to evolve and grow. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, luckily we've evolved and grown in a way that like we're still compatible, but having a child, it's been very, it was surprising to me, like how much our relationship got stronger. And I know that's not the case for everyone, sure. but kind of for us, just like leaning into like true open communication and like, um, yeah, I, I, that was like really, really surprising. I, I didn't, you know, and you never know what's going to happen a couple of yeah. years down the road, but like that yeah. has been like a beautiful like part of this like chapter. Okay. That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like, it's definitely a wild ride <laughs> and it's, it is, it is also, it's really hard. Thank you for touching on that. Like it's hard to like, when you're like navigating both motherhood and like relationship, like mm -hmm. what that, what does that even look like? And like, you know, it, it just, it's really hard. And I do, I know that like, I know it's like, I see why people talk about how like after they had kids, like they just like their relationship fell apart or whatever. Cause it's so yeah. hard to like balance. Yeah. It's so hard to be able to 
like both give your kid the attention and their child the attention that like they need but then also give your relationship and that communication piece and the time piece that the attention that that those things need in order for your relationship to like continue growing so yeah and like and growing and like thriving I think yeah you know, like, yeah obviously with any relationship, whether it's a, you know, romantic relationship or family, you know, any relationship, like you go through like ebbs and flows of Mm -hmm. things. That's just like natural, but like, but yeah, like being, being okay with the times that aren't great and like working Mm -hmm. through them. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not easy. And Mm -hmm. so like, yeah, like being able to hone like your own skills of communication and confidence and like, and really like honing in on like what is right for you um Mm -hmm. is for me that has been a really like great part an empowering part of being a mom awesome hey mamas and lovers of mamas out there motherhood is a struggle like none i have ever experienced I'm Kareem Santish, founder and CEO of The Mama Struggle, where we promote radical honesty surrounding the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of motherhood in the 21st century. Take a listen as I share my own reflections on being a mom of two, on being a stay-at-home parent, and on being a fledgling business owner. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, and remember, the struggle is real.